All right, Creatures of the Night, Alex Dorio here, one half of the Pod Street crew, one half of the Talking Taker podcast, and we are bringing you another classic episode of Talking Taker back from the dead today. Today we're going back five years to February 2nd, 2018. That's when this episode was originally released. And this is the episode covering SummerSlam 1996. This was our 25th episode ever released of Talking Taker. So we're taking the time traveling hearse way, 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 way back to the early days of Talking Taker. And you may be thinking, why in the world would we want to revisit SummerSlam 1996 here in February? Well, it's not just a commentary on global warming, saying that the summer is already basically arriving in February, although sometimes it does feel like that here down south. No, no, I want to cover this episode and, and highlight this episode because it is a pivotal moment, not just in The Undertaker's career, but truly in the career of Paul Bearer. Yes, of course you remember SummerSlam 1996. This is the boiler room brawl between The Undertaker and Mankind, and it's the moment where Paul Bearer shocks the world, shocks all of us creatures of the night, and turns heel on The Undertaker, a moment we truly thought we would never see. And I wanted to highlight this important moment of Paul Bearer, this moment where he kind of takes a new step in his legacy and begins that journey that we're going to see uh, over the next year uh, of him, you know, revealing the truth about Kane and uh, bringing him into the fold and just becoming an exponentially uh, more important and bigger character on WWE television. I wanted to highlight that about Paul Bearer as a preview to our March episode of Talking Taker. It's going to be released on March 1st. First, we're going to be covering the life and times of Paul Bearer for our March episode. Um, this March will uh, mark the sad anniversary of 10 years uh, since we lost Paul Bearer, since he tragically passed away far too young, far too early. And we're going to celebrate his legacy with an episode completely dedicated to him, something we've never done. We're going to chart uh, his entire life and times in the wrestling industry from early days as Percy Pringle III, of course, all the way into his his run with The Undertaker, his run with Kane, uh, coming back uh, throughout the years as Paul Bearer, even some of the stuff he did on the indie scene uh, with a young L.A. Knight, which is pretty crazy considering his recent interaction with The Undertaker. So that's what you have to look forward to here on Talking Taker for our March edition of the podcast. And uh, we're going to preview that here with this look back at SummerSlam 1996, our original episode covering that match. Uh, match we'll, of course, talk about uh, in the Life of Times of Paul Bearer episode. Plus, there's a fun little Easter egg in here for all you uh, dedicated Talking Taker listeners, the PSK that have been with us since the early days. Turns out this is the first time uh, Travis or I refer to each other as our uh, respective wrestling buddies. You know, a little reference to the classic wrestling buddy dolls that we all had growing up and uh, something that's been part of my intro for the show uh, for nearly 200 episodes now is calling Travis my wrestling buddy. And uh, this is the first time we make any reference towards that. So if you that's the cool thing about these Back from the Dead episodes. You're not just hearing uh, some classic moments in the undertaker's career and reliving those yet again you can hear the evolution of the podcast so i uh, hope you enjoy but before we do jump into it i want to let you know that today's episode of talking taker is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in the world in men's below the belt 
grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools and they recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package 4.0. And I want to encourage you to join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with all of their grooming needs with an exclusive offer just for you, our listeners. We're offering you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TAKEREASY at manscaped.com. That's right, TAKEREASY, all one word, T-A-K-E-R-E-A-S-Y. Use that code at manscaped.com for 20% off your entire order plus free worldwide shipping wherever you are out there. Now, Manscaped was awesome enough to send Travis and I uh, some of their incredible products. They sent us the Beard Hedger, and they sent us the Performance Package 4.0. And I got to tell you, folks, the bang for your buck that you're getting with this deal is uh, it's unprecedented. It's unheard of. It's You're getting the, uh, the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner you're getting a pair of performance boxer briefs and an incredible travel bag i mean this is a travel bag you would easily be paying top dollars uh, for it in the store just for the travel bag itself to to carry all of these things and uh i gotta tell you i'd heard about manscaped before but uh had never used them and never get into it i'm a cheapskate man <laughs> i usually uh try to spend as little as possible on my grooming products and I gotta tell you, I've been missing out. I've been missing out for years, not knowing the uh, the level of quality that you could get from an actual beard trimmer, a beard hedger that's got different settings that you can use to actually uh, fine tune your beard and not have it look uh, completely ridiculous. Uh, I was missing out on uh, my ear and nose hair trimming, and uh, my wife has thanked me profusely over the past few weeks for finally doing something to take care of that. And I've been thanking myself for uh, wearing these uh, incredibly soft boxers and, and the t-shirt that they gave us as well. I can't stop wearing them. i got to order some more uh, so that I can have some more in the rotation uh, for myself. And you can bet, you can bet I'm going to be using the code TAKEREASY at manscaped.com to get 20% off my order and free shipping. Folks, you're going to want to be giving all of your other grooming products the last ride because you're not going to want to look back after trying out uh, Manscaped and any of their fine products. So if you're skeptical, if you've been on the fence, uh, if you've never tried any of them before, Go to manscaped.com, pick one out. You don't have to order the whole set. You don't have to do the whole shebang, but just pick one out, pick an item out, give it a shot. Like I said, even if you're just trying out the boxers or some of their, their beard grooming products or their shampoos or deodorants, any of that stuff, give it a shot. See that they are just more than the hype. They are more than the funny, creative, clever names. Uh, this is top-notch quality crafted grooming products here at manscaped.com. Use the code TAKEREASY, get 20% off your order and free shipping. I mean, don't be caught looking like a dead man anymore. Make the upgrade to Manscaped and you will be thanking yourselves and you'll be thanking us a little bit too. So go check them out. Manscaped.com, use the code TAKEREASY for 20% off and free shipping. Now, enjoy today's episode and of course, TAKEREASY.
All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 25. We appreciate you joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. This is our exploration, dating up the career of the greatest professional wrestling creation of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night here, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling compatriot, my best friend, Travis White. Travis, my man, I just want to jump right into this one, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. Man, you want to call me a wrestling buddy. <laughs> oh, that would have made so much more sense. <laughs> so much better. Oh, my sting, remember my sting when I had? Oh, you're, you're breaking mine. No. <laughs> oh, that used to be fashion brawlers. Fashion so. brawlers? Oh, yeah, man, we're on episode 25. Talk and Taker has to get off their parents' insurance next episode. So. <laughs> Watch yeah, out, everybody. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, man. I, I've been excited for this matchup for man, since we started the podcast. This is the, one of the ones I've been looking forward to the most. Uh, we have finally reached uh, one of The Undertaker's most famous matchups of all time at SummerSlam 96, going up against Mankind in the Boiler Room Brawl. And, you know, like I said, when we started this uh this is one of the ones I was looking forward to most towards covering because I remember watching this uh, back when I was young, but I don't think I've seen it in a really, really long time. And I remember having a really vivid memory of it, so I was excited to go back and rewatch it and see how it held up, see what I did remember, what I didn't remember, what I missed the first time. And, you know, we're going to talk about the build up here for a minute, uh, but I, it lived up to the hype for me. Uh, I thought I had a lot of fun watching this one. Yeah, it was fun. It's interesting and a lot. A lot different than uh, the rest of the matches we've had, but for, for sure. a reason. But yeah, I think the last time I saw this match was. Do you remember when they did like a three face with Foley VHS? Yeah. Oh yeah. What was that? Ninety nine or something? I think the clips of this was on there. I think after that, I went to Video to Go and rented this pay per view probably, or or got it from you or something, mm-hmm. and watched it because that's, that's it's been probably yeah eighteen seventeen years since I've seen this match, so it was fun to relive and yeah. I mentioned in last week's episode how the story of The Undertaker has all been uh, a new hope from Star Wars. And now we're entering the Empire Strikes Back. You know, here's the big, <gasps> oh no, like, you know, when it comes to hit The Undertaker's character, his story, you know, there's something, an, an act of betrayal or uh, something's going to happen here that's going to be mind-blowing. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. An incredibly memorable match, an incredibly memorable moment uh, after the match, and huge storyline shift for The Undertaker, his character, and for Mankind as well. So uh, let's let's just get right into it, because there's so much to talk about. Mankind, mankind the character, and also Mankind as a whole, right? Oh, true. Just Absolutely. All of us, yes. as inhabitants of this planet Earth, yes. We were all this... moved by this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, so uh, this man, SummerSlam 96, August 18th, 1996, from the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. Man, the Gund Arena comes up a lot. I know that's where No Mercy 99 was with the double ladder match. That's where, um, I believe that's where they simulcast the very last Nitro and Raw from was the Gund Arena, too. There are there a lot of cool. Those are just two off the top of my head, but I just remember that, the Gund Arena in Cleveland. Always jealous, man. So a few good cool things have happened in Cleveland. Uh, apparently, <laughs> it's great for <laughs> sports least, entertainment, but not for professional sports, I guess. <laughs> no. And also Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there. But, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And Drew Carey. 
<laughs> the Miz? Is Miz from there? Oh, yeah, The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. Oh, yeah. That's the big thing, anyway, guys. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this match, of course, you know, we've been hyping it up and building it up ever since uh, the night after WrestleMania. And that's how much the WWF's been hyping yeah. it up. That's when the Mankind Undertaker feud started back in April of 1996. And it has weaved its way through uh, our last three episodes as Undertaker's been sort of bouncing between this feud. It's really been a feud with Mankind, and Goldust has just kind of been a sidetrack, I guess, to extend the feud. But uh, when we last left off that international incident in your house, uh, Mankind crawled up through the ring, uh, as The Undertaker once did, to interfere in Undertaker's match with Goldust. And then Undertaker, we finally saw him getting a little bit of revenge, getting a little bit of payback as he uh, came back through the ring on the other side, attacked Mankind, and we left off uh, that pay-per-view with them feuding in the back, feuding in the boiler room of the arena, and the announcers... Uh, saying you know, they never knew how this feud would be maintained, how it could be contained in, in the ring or anything like that. And so uh, we jump in to this next stage of the build with it just kind of being announced. Uh, I guess this is July 29th is what you said, uh, Raw yeah. 170, I think it is, that uh, The Undertaker is announced as he's going to face Mankind in the first ever Boiler Room Brawl match. Uh, and we don't know a lot about it, except that the match is going to start in the boiler room and it will end in the ring. Uh, and that's all really all the exactly. details we get uh, at the very beginning. So uh, That's probably all they know, too. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, we'll figure it out. They haven't figured <laughs> we'll it figure out something. yet, either. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so just add it to the list of memorable gimmick matches that The Undertaker's been a part of so far. Yep. We've seen a lot of them. Uh, but now he's going to have to enter, I guess this is Mankind's gimmick match. Uh, for once, Undertaker's going to have to enter into someone else's gimmick. <clears throat> That's true. And as a 10-year-old, did you know what a boiler room was? No idea. <laughs> yeah, no me problem. neither. I would like, what does that mean? So, But yeah, once they show it, you're like, oh, okay. It's just like a room with a bunch of like pipes and yeah. electrical units and stuff. Yeah, the bowels fuses, of the arena, box. as Vince yeah. would like to say. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, on that roll, the 29th of J- July, they announce, um, you know, that it's a, the match is happening at SummerSlam. And then there's a Coliseum home video exclusive. And it's it takes place immediately after um, In Your House International Incident. And it's a backstage promo. Uh, Mankind and Goldust. <laughs> Goldust is, like, laying like he's posing for a calendar. Or something. Playgirl. He's on top of, yeah, he's like, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's laying on top of like some wooden, like lockers or shelves or something. And mankind is there and Goldust is petting him on the head. I think Marlene is there too. Yeah. Isn't she? Yeah. She's there. But uh, Goldust is petting mankind and mankind keeps calling Goldust mommy. Good man. He's a very bad man, mommy. I can tolerate what he tried to do to me. But not when it comes to a maternal love. You see, Undertaker, Mommy doesn't want you to hurt her anymore. And what Mommy wants, her little boy provides. And it's strange. It's weird. Uh, it feels like they were going to kind of go down that route more, but then they kind of gets dropped, you know, later on in 96. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know, whatever. He keeps calling him Mommy, and he bangs his head against those wood lockers, and it's like... I mean, he legit banged his head like Goldberg <laughs> used to. So it's a wonder he didn't knock himself out. But talk about commitment to the character, man. Just oh, sure. like Just like Mark Cosplay and Undertaker. I mean, Mick Foley is Mankind, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's just 
you know, he just talks about how he's going to beat the Undertaker, and he's glad to, you know, finally get his hands on him again, I guess. So, this is strange. Gold Dust petting him and calling him mommy is weird. It was weird, and, you know, that was, I mean, they, they never really fully explored the Gold Dust mankind relationship. Yeah. Just kind of a strange alliance. Um, I feel like, yeah, they, were, they probably had some more ideas, but. I guess Vince, you know, uh, ultimately making the call didn't really like it or didn't like the way it was going, so they, they dropped a lot of it. It feels like, but, yeah. Uh, this this little segment reminded me. Uh, you remember when we were covering uh, Survivor Series '91, and it, right after Undertaker won the title at the end of that show or the beginning yeah. of Tuesday in Texas, they have Undertaker's promo. He's down yeah. like in in the. I don't know if he's in the boiler room, but he's like in the ah. corners of the arena, bottom of the arena, or something like that, cutting a promo on Hulk That's Hogan. True. So uh, it, was, it felt very, really, very similar vibe uh, of that to that me. That was very true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what they're going for, but that's the vibe I got. Um, ah, who knows? We'll give him credit <laughs> for it. <laughs> well, the next no. week on Raw, or or is this the same? Oh, hold on one second. Yeah, this is when uh, this same episode of Raw is, is Undertaker okay, and yeah. Steve Austin again way. in yeah. the main event. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, and I just want to say there's a lot more aggression from Undertaker. I mean, just like as we've been talking, this whole mankind feud has had a lot more aggression. He's more human. Uh, again, same thing here. More facials. Is he's not just staring at people and he's you know he's grimacing. He's not smiling, but he's making you know. More facials. And if you go back and watch his 1991-1992 matches, you know he was just kind of stoic and just would stare at his opponents. But um, here against Austin, he is, you know, getting down and dirty, man, and pounding away on him, and it's a good oh, match. I, I could do a whole podcast on this match. This match was awesome. It's I, awesome. I really yeah. enjoy it. Um, it. And how comfortable is Steve Austin with the Stone Cold character here? That's you know? the thing. Like I feel yeah. like he he has gained so much more confidence just in this past oh, month yeah. since the last time they did this match on Raw. And it's just a better match. Uh, they do a lot of great stuff in it. Uh, I encourage you to go back uh, and watch it. Listeners, uh, Watch obviously watch this match, SummerSlam 96, but go back and watch this match. It's worth your while, especially to see these guys so young and yeah. uh, Stone Cold <laughs> moving around, bouncing around, uh, bumping around like crazy. And you will see... Yeah, he's a bump machine. Yeah, you'll see his uh, tights that have... <laughs> That's the only time I've ever seen his tights with his logo on the butt of them. Usually he's just wearing the plain black tights, but he's got the Stone Cold logo on there, and he must have decided he didn't really like that really quickly because uh, they get ditched yeah. after this set of tapings. I think he wears them in the Battle Royal <laughs> the next week too, but it was probably the same Yeah, they were taping that. It was week. the same, yeah, four nights of tape, or one night for four weeks of raw tapings, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, this is a, it's a good match. It's fun. It's fun, like you said, see these guys so young in their careers battling because we'll see them, you know, again in the future when they're when Stone Cold is fully developed and he's on top of the world. But, uh, man, how about the end of this match? The mm-hmm. top rope choke slam from Undertaker yes. and Steve Austin. Can it's you crazy. imagine Stone taking that move two years later? Oh, no, no way. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in July of 96, Stone Cold Steve Austin takes a top rope choke slam from the Undertaker. And um, this is when Mankind comes out, like, to the entrance way. And Undertaker just kind of bails on the match and goes to chase him and uh, gets countered out and loses. Um, so again, mankind's got his number, you know, Undertaker keeps losing, you know, he, he, whether it's a casket match or, uh, count out victories or DQs or whatever, you know, he's, he's still losing because his, he's always distracted by mankind. And I was okay with that. You know, they 
There's yeah. so many distraction finishes nowadays in the current product. It's just ridiculous. But this one, it made sense because sure, yeah, uh, yeah. Mankind has been continually getting the best of the Undertaker, and so they've had this feud drawn out for so many months. And Undertaker is never able to get his hands on Mankind, so Mankind comes out, and they've just had this long-standing feud. So he runs out to attack Mankind. He doesn't just stand there looking no. at him, pointing at him, and gets rolled up or anything like that. No, he goes after Mankind, who he's feuding with, and gets counted out, and it makes sense. And what's even better yep. is he comes right back to the <laughs> ring and beats up Stone Cold right afterward because yeah. he's pissed off that he lost. So exactly. you know, he doesn't just lose and just like shrug his shoulders. He comes out and uh, he gets his revenge on Stone Cold. Uh, so yeah. this was if you're going to do a distraction finish, this is how you do it. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's not left with egg on his face. Right. He's not the idiot baby face that got rolled up or got yes. counted out on accident. Yes. Yeah, he's like, well, forget you. I'm coming back in. He tombstone Stone Cold. Really good tombstone. Yeah. I mean, man, it was real close to the head. He laid the it mat, in. And the mat. Yeah, he laid it in good. But uh, I just thought, I thought it was a funny little exclamation point on the end of that match there. He yeah. Just, he gets his stuff in, so... Uh, so then yeah. the, uh, the the next week, Raw 171, I think this is, on the network, uh, the main event is a big battle royal to see who's going to get uh, a WWF championship shot uh, the night after SummerSlam. And I think it's 10 guys in it, something like that. We got, we got Savio Vega, Stone Cold, Bradshaw, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, I guess, at this point, uh, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Mankind, Ahmed Johnson, Goldust, Psycho Sid, and the last person out is The Undertaker. What a lineup right there. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's a who's who. Of well, future uh, superstars, past superstars, and some Hall of Famers. no one ever cares about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they hype up the whole time that The Undertaker's going to be in there in this battle royal. And like, like you said, all the guys come out, and then Undertaker runs out to the ring. I don't think I've ever seen the Undertaker run in my entire life, but he runs yeah. down the entryway because he's about to get his hands on Mankind, and he runs in the exactly. ring and clotheslines himself and Mankind immediately out of the Battle Royal that they've been yep. him in yep. for the entire show. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I thought at first, like, and that's an easy paycheck right there. Just <laughs> come oh, out yeah. for the... Uh, 20 seconds of the main event, but, uh, yeah. they end up, uh, having a little bit more action throughout the match. Yeah. But it goes to show too, going from the last week of raw undertaker doesn't care about the wins and losses. He wants to get his hands on mankind. He's like, forget the WWF championship match. I want to get my hands on mankind. So yeah, you're right. He closed lines them over the top. They're both eliminated immediately. Um, but yeah, then throughout the night, the rest of the match, cause this match is probably it's 35, long. Yes. 40 minutes yeah it's most of the show um uh, but it, the camera kind of cuts away and at one point about halfway through they're fighting in the crowd mm -hmm. they come out through the crowd they're fighting mankind and undertaker are and uh they make it back into the ring which is pretty cool um and then they go they go from the ring back up their en the entrance way or to the backstage area and then you know go to commercial break come back and it has more footage of them brawling backstage and um, the Undertaker's hitting him with, with wooden pallets and yeah. it's like a body slam, like sheet metal or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked awful. Um, I mean, awful as in good, but painful. like awfully painful. Right. But, yeah. Uh, but he's just, man, he's doing work on Mankind. He's choking him, beating him up. Like I said, he's got this new 
aggression. And man, I get I'm getting hyped just talking about it. Oh it's, yeah, it's so exciting to see. This is uh, without a doubt the most intense feud that we've seen the Undertaker in, and they're building it up like these guys uh, cannot be contained in the ring. Uh, they're fighting all yeah. over the place, and so there needs to be uh, something special to settle their feud. That's, this is how you build up a gimmick match. This is why you have a gimmick match, not just because oh it's October we got to do Hell in a Cell or yeah. it's February yeah. we got to do Elimination Chamber. No, there's a reason why these guys are having this special match that you want to tune in to see, and I love it. Yeah. And once again, let's go back to Triple H and Randy Orton, 2009 WrestleMania. <laughs> We're not going to start the match with a collar and elbow tie up. Yeah. You know these guys can't stand each other. You know. They're beating each other from pillar to post, as uh, JR would say. Yep. So, yeah. And for those of you who care, uh, Ahmed Johnson wins the Battle Royal, by the way. He and his right butt cheek have been hanging out for about 40 minutes. <laughs> and so, <laughs> don't go back and watch that part. But, uh, no, not necessarily. Poor Ahmed, man. They, they had some big plans for him, and they pretty much all went south at this set of tapings. So dude, I loved uh, Ahmed Johnson when I was a kid, man. He was yeah. just so intense and I didn't understand a word he was saying, but uh, I was into it, man. <laughs> I wanted to see him beat people up. Dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's bad really bad luck, man. A lot of bad injuries. I hate yeah. it. Um he had a good run of bad luck, <laughs> to say. Clint Black. Oh yeah. man. Uh <laughs> the man in black. How do you recover? Clint from black. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> the so, next week on Raw, there's just there's no action, but there's a, a really cool video recapping this feud again, building since April first, night after WrestleMania. And my only nitpick about this, I think Todd Pettengill's narrating it, and he says it's been building for five months. I'm like, well, no, it hasn't. <laughs> Four months and eleven days at this point. But uh, anyway, this Around, kind of thing. Way so, up. Yeah, he rounded up 28 days. So, but it's a really cool uh, video, you know, just recapping everything and uh, talking about, you know, they they just can't can't help but fight and fight, and, and they can't coexist in the same area. And uh, again, it just shows the great intensity and fire that both of them have had throughout this whole entire four month buildup. They're different, yet hauntingly similar, unearthly, bizarre. The light. In the realm of darkness, darkness in the province of light, bound by a past that still exhales its wretched breath on the present, they can't coexist. They can never rest in peace. They can only fight and fight till death is barred. God have mercy. Pretty cool. Man, I, I don't know how you can say there was no action on this episode of Raw because uh, also on this episode of Raw we had the uh, the Godwins managed by Hillbilly Jim taking on T.L. Hopper and who with uh, Bob Backlund on who? commentary. Yeah, that's who? a mm-hmm. that's a who? real match who? that happened. Yeah. on Monday Night Raw. I rest my case. Yeah. I said there was no action on well, Raw. I just want to put that out there. That's a real thing that happened. <laughs> On Monday Night Raw. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyway. Can you imagine? That was up against Nitro. <laughs> what? I th you know what? I do know something about this episode of Raw. It was the lowest rated Raw at the time. Um, this Raw of 
August 12th. I believe I, I looked it up several times, several different sources, and uh, that's what I got. So this was the lowest rated Raw. And that match you just described may explain it. It could be. So, yeah. Again, at the time, this was the lowest rate. I think it was a 2.0, which is pretty low. Pretty low. Um, well, yeah. yeah, business is about to pick up here. SummerSlam 96. Uh, thank God. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason we're not doing a Talking Who podcast. <laughs> Now we could do like the Who, talking the, the Rock who. and Roll Band, yeah, <laughs> but not talking Who WWF edition. Um, goodness, goodness gracious! Uh, so SummerSlam '96, the main event uh, of our podcast, not the main event of the show, but it's one of the top two matches. <laughs> if you watch the opening video package, uh, it's about cool Shawn video. Michaels Invader. Yeah, very cool video, and this. Um, so they're going back and forth talking about. Uh, the Undertaker is a mysterious light in a world of darkness and how good doesn't always triumph over evil. Sometimes the horror lives on. So they're just talking about these two different kind of monsters, Sean Michael, oh, excuse me, Vader and Mankind, these two different monsters, uh, very different. Well, one is sadistic, one is just big and bad. And then you've got two different yeah. types of heroes. You've got the underdog and Shawn Michaels, and then you've got the great almighty light of the WWF, the moral compass of the <laughs> WWF, uh, the undertaker trying to overcome this sadistic mankind. Very cool video. Yeah, it was a neat video, man. And I love that, you know, this mankind undertaker feud is, is got a spotlight on it, you know, yes. that's really cool. So, cause it's definitely, I mean, it's more interesting to me than the Shawn Michaels Vader stuff going on. Although oh, this Shawn Michaels Vader matches the one where Shawn, kicks him in the head like three times yeah throws a hissy uh, you know fit like, in the like yeah it does a hissy fit and gets all bent out of shape no wonder the crowd turned on sean shortly after this um, <laughs> but again it just goes yeah. to show you the undertaker's position in the company uh, the confidence in him that you know, they've been building this feud up for so long he's had such a big long feud and it's getting that prominent placement as one of the top yeah two, like on equal footing with the wwf championship is the undertaker's oh, yeah. uh, match here at SummerSlam. So, uh, again, we're talking about the evolution of the Undertaker, and um, that just goes to show you right there where he's at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, aside from a few matches we've had uh, undercard-wise, I mean, he's still always, he's always a featured match, man. doesn't matter who his feud is against, you know? It's awesome. Yep. Unless it's who. Thank <laughs> God we don't have that. <laughs> who? Um, oh. Now, they say, uh, now, um, excuse me. So, yeah, before the match, there's another video package. Was this the same one that was on Raw, or was this a different one? Uh, that, like, it's a little bit different. A little bit different. It's got Todd Pentagon narrating this one, too, just going through all the all the yeah. many different phases of the feud. But uh, he makes a point, <laughs> like you said earlier, that this match transcends titles. It can only be contained mm -hmm. uh, in the boiler rooms. It's not about a belt. Uh, it has no, it's just a personal rivalry between these two guys. So that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, we hadn't seen something like this in a long time. It's been it's been really refreshing to go back and watch this, uh, you know, this set of uh, this this rivalry, oh, yeah. feud, whatever they call it. So, um, I guess they call them rivalries nowadays, don't they? They don't call them feuds. So, yeah. Uh, that's one of Vincent Mann's words. I guess. So, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a semi-main event. We got commentary is Vincent Mann, uh, good old Jr. and Mister Perfect back here commentary so back on commentary oh, yeah. and yet you know we make a we've talked about commentary a lot throughout this podcast but here it 
doesn't play as much of a role. Uh, it was kind of cool. Right. That's one of the big things <clears throat> yeah. of this match is that commentary kind of lays out for the majority of the match. Uh, and it was an interesting choice. You know, they don't hardly say mm-hmm. anything except a few just kind of grunts and moans and like gasps and things like that. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of that? I thought it was, it was different, you know, mm-hmm. it's neat. You know, I can't imagine them getting away with that nowadays because the crowd would just crap all over it and boo the whole time or whatever. But like for the time, it was really neat to go watch this match and, you know, trying to put myself in 1996 and see, man, they're really laying out. Because now, like I said, not nowadays, it's not Michael Cole's fault, but he'd be talking all over the action, you know, what's right. going on. And Corey Graves and Byron Saxon would be arguing for, you know, the whole entire match. But uh, it's really cool. I think <clears throat> uh, I think it shows respect to Undertaker and Mankind. I may be looking way too far into that, but – it shows how they how much they respect him and this feud they're going to give it the, they're going to let the match just highlight itself you know they don't need to add the story to it the story is playing out right in front of your eyes you know right it it, it just gives it a totally different feel cuz this is not a wrestling match you know I, there's no moves <clears throat> in it there's no suplexes or pile drivers or body slams or, I mean, there might have been like one or two bodies. I don't know. I don't totally remember. Uh, maybe look at them. I think there is a pile driver. We'll get yeah. to that in a little bit. Yeah. But it's not your typical <laughs> yeah. wrestling match. It's no. like, it's sort of a prototype for uh, the hardcore matches that we saw. Or yep. I mean, and even that we yep. continue to see. Uh, and it's fought almost completely backstage uh, using these weapons in a way that we've just never, ever seen on WWF TV before. So it's a completely different vibe, a completely different look, and they're they're setting it apart uh, by, by not having any commentary for it as mm-hmm. something different and something that you have to pay attention to. You can't look right. away from it. Uh, you can't tweet during it. You can't be on your <laughs> computer during it. You can't be on the phone during it. You got to pay attention because the announcers are, are watching every bit of it. They're not describing it to you. So you have to watch it with your own eyes. So it draws you in. Yeah. And to someone like who's maybe a new fan, like our younger person, they might go back and watch this and think it sucks because there's no commentary <laughs> telling them, you know, but like to you and I, it's really cool. And I hope to a lot of our fans that are maybe our age or a little older, they probably were like, yeah, it's a cool thing, you know, not to have the commentary stepping all over everybody's lines and and moves, you know, because, yeah, it did make you pay attention, you know. You can't can't have it on in the background, you know. You got to actually pay attention, so cool stuff. But you want to get into how the match starts and everything, so. Yeah, we hear uh, The Undertaker's music playing, and, uh, of course, Undertaker does not make an entrance into the arena, but Paul Bearer does. Uh, carrying the urn and this is where you finally hear kind of the rules of the match that Vince McMahon yeah, finally. informs us of <laughs> he tells us that uh, the winner must emerge from the boiler room enter the arena and take possession of the urn at ringside so the whole point of the match is getting to Paul Bearer and getting the urn so again like it's like said, a ladder match sort of yeah and not Paul really Bearer, you gotta climb Paul Bearer yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Judy, Judy Bagwell on a pole, Paul Bearer in a ring match, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, you got to get out of the boiler. In all seriousness, you got to you fight in the boiler room. You get out of the boiler room, get to the ring, and get the urn from Paul Bearer. Right. And that is, you know, it's capture the flag. You know, you got to you got to get that. And the winner is the one who retrieves the urn. And That's of course, the key. you have to retrieve the urn. Yes, that plays a huge role into what's happening. And I think, like you said earlier, they didn't quite understand what the match was going to be when they first started 
conceiving it and announcing it. But right. uh, I, this makes a lot of sense once we get to the end and yes. understand what the uh, what this match is really building to and leading to. Right. So, uh, yeah. Because it may seem kind of stupid, you know, if you don't know where it's headed. But like, again, right. we have the benefit of this being 22 years ago, almost at this yeah. point. So to see the story is being told. But um, Jr. is putting over how grueling this match is going to be. You know, he keep, he keeps saying it's going to be like a what does he keep saying a, a bar fight or prison a, fight. He says uh, prison fight. Prison, again. prison, yeah, yeah, prison fight. I think he's so, a big um, he uh, Oz saying, fan. Jr. <laughs> was this on TV? He's talking about point? prison fights. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. But uh, but they mention on commentary that um, the free for all and and uh, Paul Bear's words to Undertaker on the free for all, which again, those listeners, if you don't remember, um. The Big D explained it uh, on our last podcast, or one of our previous podcasts. You know, it was on the preview channel. It was was a half hour before yeah, the pay per view came 30 on. Minutes, yeah, yeah, thirty minutes, and it was basically what the pre shows are now on the network. And it would usually give you a free match and just kind of some build up. Um, but anyway, I was able to find the free for all on a website online, uh, and basically during the free for all, um, the Undertaker and Paul Bear are are interviewed in the ring by uh, Jim Ross. And Paul Bear just addresses the Undertaker. He he assures him that the integrity of the urn will not be compromised. He, keep, he, he says it several times, you know. Undertaker! I want you to be confident that the urn will be safe in my hands. Why you take care of mankind in the bowels of this building? The integrity of this sacred vessel will not be compromised, and that's a promise. I get, but they didn't tip their hat to right. what's going to happen. Yeah. Nowadays, it been like, you know, again, we beat you over about the head with it. Yeah. Yeah is uh, aversion to subtlety uh but this was very subtle so it was cool but um anyway at this point with the again paul bears in the ring uh you know at SummerSlam, and uh we cut the camera to the back and uh backstage the undertaker is approaching the boiler room uh yes and he's know, got no robe no hat none of the <laughs> entrance gear that uh no accoutrements he is just you know ready for a fight and so that's a huge difference that we've seen in literally every other undertaker match uh, yeah <laughs> paul bear is not taking off uh, his garments uh, entrance wear and all that getting him prepared he's already ready for the fight and it's really for the first time you know like i said earlier he has invited so many people into his elements in casket matches body bag matches uh, the rest in peach peace match with a uh, giant gonzalez whatever the heck <laughs> that was <laughs> Uh, a rest in peach match in Atlanta. Oh, I should have done that. Um, he uh, has brought so many people onto his level, and for the first time, he is having to walk onto someone else's playing field, and, and they have invited him into their mind games. And so, like, yard into their will. yard, yeah. So he yeah. uh, kind of hesitates a little bit as he's opening the door to the boiler room. Uh, so that's the first time we've ever seen anything like that from Undertaker, too. The tables have turned. Well, luckily. Luckily, the uh, the boiler room was very well um, 
labeled. Yeah. The sign says, boiler room, <laughs> danger. It's just like, uh, but again, there's that aversion to subtlety that Vincent Mann has. But but it is cool. Yeah, you're right. He's he's apprehensive, to use a Vincent Mann word. He's very apprehensive to, you know, go. He's he, he goes in. But, yeah, he's kind of looking around and lurking and, you know, seems a little timid at first. You know, not that he's scared of mankind, but he doesn't know where he's going to pop up from, you know. Because yeah. the commentary tells us that, oh, apparently mankind's already inside. So, yeah. Um, Here's my question. I want to know, you know, they came up with the idea for this boiler room match. Did they scout out boiler rooms at different arenas to figure out? Because, I mean, I, I don't know much about boiler rooms, but I imagine some of them might be really small. But, I mean, this one at this arena, like, how far in advance did they know they were going to be at this particular boiler room? Right. Did they pick that one for like space where they could go fight it in, fight there? Did they actually record this match in the Gund Arena boiler room, or did they have to go somewhere else? Because you got to think like, I mean, it seemed like they had a lot of room to move around and do stuff in this particular yeah. room, but they could have gotten to an arena and be like, oh crap, we got a boiler room match. There's like, we can't get in the, their boiler room. Like they're not going to let us in there. I don't know, man. I had a lot of questions about that. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever heard like the story of how like that worked out, like how they planned out where and how they were going to do this match. Well, I was wondering if this was a pre-tape from like a different show or something, you know, yeah. kind of like the the uh, Hollywood backlot brawl was, you know, with a gold dust. And, I'm sure and it was pre-taped, but I don't know if it was pre-taped but, but, there. You know what? I think it might have been because later on, as we see the other superstars or wrestlers in the in the um, in the hallway, and then like I was paying attention to the markings on Mankind's body or like or on his uh, outfit, and it seemed to line up with the way he looked when he came out to the arena. So I think they they may not have filmed it. It may not have been live. Uh, they may yeah. have filmed it earlier, but it seemed like you know the dirt and dust on his his brown outfit matched up when he came out. So I do think it was at the Gun Arena, but I don't know. That'd be something interesting to uh, find out from like Bruce Pritchard or something. You yeah, know? yeah. So, I don't think they talked about. It. They've uh, done this episode on something to wrestle. I don't think they talked about that specifically. But I just I was just yeah. wondering that as the match was happening. Um, also, you know, I'm just this is off the top of my head. If Undertaker walks in the boiler room, why couldn't he just walk right out, slam the door, and run to the ring? Yeah, they, they don't have to make contact. <laughs> yeah. Just have to go in the boiler room and head out. Yeah, exactly. He could have just slam the door and barricaded it with a, a, I don't know, a chair and ran to the ring and got the urn. Oh man, no. But again, he wants to get his hands on mankind. Yeah, so. and mankind finally emerges from hide and seek after a few minutes as they build up the tension and. He uh, uh, just got, got a giant PVC pipe and he just whacks the Undertaker yeah. with it to start the action. <clears throat> and, you know, it's just like the early parts is a lot of weapon shots kind of back and forth between the guys. Uh, uppercuts, headbutts. Uh, Undertaker uses a trash can lid. And my favorite spot of the beginning is Mankind kind of hits a stunner on one of those little just carpentry. Uh, a sawhorse, yeah. Sawhorse, yeah. 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 That's the. I knew it had horse in it. I couldn't remember yeah. the full name of it, but that was yeah. awesome. I love that. Yeah. He, yeah, he finally gets kind of in control after that. Yeah, he gets a stunner over the sawhorse, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so I wrote that. The, my only gripe with this is that there's a lot of machinery. They're literally in a boiler room. Like, machinery is loud. So you can't, you know, it almost have, nowadays they probably had a boom mic, you know, over them. And so you, or they had them mic'd up so you could hear everything that was going on. But yeah. it's a little bit. Little, they're off in the distance. You it's know, a little dark. Their vocals. 
poorly yeah, lit. Yeah, a little dark. Um, and I think but, uh, again, there's only one camera the whole time. Yeah. Only one camera shot. So I, that was kind of cool. added to the realism yeah. of it. It's not like well, this yeah. stuff they do now with Ron Strowman, like where they're where he's lifting up the trucks and everything and all these different camera cuts and all that stuff. And it just looks so fake. I mean, we, we all yeah. know he's not lifting up an 18 wheeler and you're shooting it from all these different angles or like when, uh, yeah. the house of horrors match. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. Like, so if they'd have done that one, Yeah. If they'd done it in one take, it may have been more realistic, but they had all the cuts and this and that. But like this match, is one long cut. There's no camera breaks. Now, the, the quote-unquote feed goes in and out a little yes. bit, but when it comes back up, it's exactly where it left off. It's not The camera's not in a different position or anything. Right. So it's really cool. This was all one take, basically, and luckily the cameraman has a giant uh, spotlight on his camera, <laughs> I guess, because otherwise these guys couldn't have seen anything. But, uh, yeah, but... I, but after that stunner on the sawhorse, the the as I mentioned, the the feed goes out, the the television feed goes out. It's kind of fuzzy and grainy and <clears throat> almost like scramble vision. You were talking about yeah. watching pay per views through at your aunt's house, right? Yeah. So uh, and I guess that's there. I guess that was they're editing something. Yeah, they're taking a break, yeah. t- taking a cut, setting something up. So kind of yeah. interesting way to to cover for that. Yeah, it's cool. And then there's more smashing into pipes and doors and trash cans. And uh, Taker kind of gets a hope spot here. Uh, but Mankind cuts him off and he turns on this, like, mechanical wheel yeah. and sprays. Turns the steam Taker, on, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he puts great. the steam on. It was awesome. Because, uh, yeah, he just turns this mechanical wheel all the steam blows out in Undertaker's face. And looked pretty cool, man. It was cool. Fun spot. I don't know how they did that or how they made yeah. that work. Because, I mean, it looks like a machine that's actually part of there and steam yeah, shoots out of it. I mean, I don't know. Oh, oh, interesting spot. Um, and it just feels like a fight the whole time. Yeah. These guys just beat. I mean, it, they're really hurting each other. It looks like some yeah. uh, wicked uh, weapon right shots. Here. Yeah. And I, I wrote right here that just commentary is laying out big mm-hmm. time. Like, there's, like we already mentioned, there's just there's nothing. You know, they're not. They're not adding their two cents, and it makes it feel more like you're watching, like you're a fly on the wall watching these guys beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. So, uh, Mankind crotches Undertaker with a PVC pipe, and that got a pretty big gasp <laughs> out of the crowd. We haven't yeah. heard the crowd making much noise, but that got a big yeah. gasp out of the crowd. And then uh, we hear the crowd clapping for Undertaker, and I was thinking that's just got to be Paul Bearer in the ring, you know, kind of conducting them. Yeah. Probably. We don't see yeah. it. But we hear them start yeah, to chant and, and clap for him. You just know he's out there. Yeah. One last time oh, yeah. uh, conducting exactly. him for the Undertaker. Mr. Bear's opus, man, <laughs> out there doing his thing. So, And this is where Mankind throws, uh, you know, this is a classic backstage WWF fight. You got to throw somebody into the giant garage door, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Every arena that has a garage door, somebody gets thrown into it. So, uh, And then he does that, that running knee into the garage door, which is really cool, you know. And uh, he's, you know, I just want to mention he's constantly squealing and making noises and making all these just, you know, unintelligible sounds coming from his his mouth. So, but I do want to have something I want to ask you is why not hit the mandible claw? Hmm. Good question. Yeah. It's put know. it's put Undertaker out literally every, every time. time he's done it from this point. So why did he not just do it right here? You know. I don't know. I guess I he know. just couldn't get it on. Like he, he was. I, I don't know. He wanted to beat him up some more, maybe. I don't know. That is a good know. question. That's a good point. Uh, he's doing some other crazy stuff. And um, Oh, yeah. Here we go. There's a 
another big edit with the uh, scramble vision and uh, the crowd boos it this time when they see it. That yeah. The crowd, the crowd is watching uh, as we later find out on the, like the TVs, your teacher would roll in to class when they would show a video when you're in elementary school on just like the big metal carts. <laughs> Just like a big the TV, just like strapped on the metal car yeah. with the VHS with a laser disc player on it. Yeah, there's like four of those sitting around ringside, and there is a big screen in the back. But you know, a lot of the fans are just watching on these tiny little TVs. We don't have the giant Titantron that we have now, and the yeah. LED screens on the side of the ring. Right. Uh, that's just yeah, hilarious looking back oh. at. But uh, anyway, oh, well, right before the feed goes out, that's when Mankind climbs up a little bit of that ladder and he drops the elbow on the concrete. Yeah. The first time he does that. Yeah. And then he drags Undertaker after he breaks a two by four on him, <laughs> he breaks it on him. It's crazy. Uh, but I just wrote that Taker is selling massively again. He's, he's such yeah. a good seller. He's fighting man. for his life. He's, man. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. especially for a big guy, you know, but then that's when, you know, the feed goes out again and then the crowd boos like, you know, at this point, they're they're watching yeah. on those tiny TVs. Yeah, like, Are you serious, bro? <laughs> Come on. Um, and uh, the the feed goes out this time to set up kind of the big spot yeah. that I think everyone remembers from this match, yeah. where uh, Undertaker um, is down, but Mankind is up on top of a ladder, propped against the wall, and then Taker sits up and pulls the ladder down, and Mankind goes tumbling into uh onto the ground he's protected a little bit by a box and some some pipes over there but not much protection it's a crazy bump uh yeah you know obviously mankind would take a couple crazier bumps later on but this was pretty crazy uh already Uh, crazy enough uh for sure yeah and um i mean they'd have a crash pad there now or something you know or again the camera would cut away right before he hits or something but man it was brutal yeah it hurts me it hurts my hips watching him do yeah ball like that you can't protect it too much. Yeah. I think they protect him a little bit with the boxes, but still, I sure. mean, that's a wicked bump. Um, and this... Then he gets thrown into some glass light bulbs or something after this. That's what yeah. JR says. He's like, he's got thrown in the glass. It looked like a box of light bulbs to me, but that's where that dust gets all over his body. Hmm. I think so. I think it is light bulbs. So they, you know, they, they pop and they have the um, like that dust inside of them and stuff. So anyway, but well, man, or JR got a pretty glass. Yeah, yeah. Taker got cut up on something. He's got a pretty good gash yeah. on his elbow. Uh, pretty yeah. nasty looking. And um, that spot, the the elbow spot uh, into the boxes, that's kind of the big... Um, that's the highlight. Crescendo. Yeah, the highlight, because uh, yeah. now we're headed towards the finish, sort of. Uh, they start heading towards the exit, both of them, uh, trying to fight out of it, uh, going back and forth. And here we see Undertaker using a fire extinguisher. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> opening that up on Mankind. Uh, nothing like a real. That's fire wrestling one hundred and one, man. Yeah, yeah. If, you, you, see you, a, if you, you see a, if you see a fire extinguisher in a wrestling match, you know it's going to be used. So, <laughs> have I ever had to use one? No, yeah, I never have. Oh, it's disgusting. No. Yeah, and it's no. it's not just like smoke like these. It's right? like this is foam <laughs> that comes out and it's <laughs> yellow and gross and smells and it's goes ter- it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, even though he's able to do that, Mankind is able to escape first uh, into the arena hallway and tries to barricade the door and lock the Undertaker in. And <laughs> the refs are very upset that Mankind is barricading the wall. They keep yelling out, you can't <laughs> yeah. do that, you can't do that. It's like, yeah. what are the rules? Why can't he do <laughs> right. that? Um, exactly. Remind me of that referee in that Wrestle Kingdom match with Omega and, uh, and Jericho. Jericho <laughs> just pushes him down. It's like, get me? <laughs> No rules. So, yeah. 
So, yeah, we see. Well, like you, you keep talking about Undertaker. He's like this movie monster, and this kind of gives him that that feel, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, because he's kind of reaching out through the uh, the doorway, almost like uh, the Shining, you know, like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like he's kind of creeping his head out, and Mankind kind of slams the door back yes. in his face. And um, again, he has everything barricaded. But then we see, you know, we got a new camera angle, and we see the Undertaker just smash through the door. It's stuff goes everywhere man and the crowd you can hear the crowd and they're popped they're into it this. man yeah yeah the tiny little televisions you can show them what's happening yeah they love this and the uh the job squad watching backstage is real into it yep. too and we see I all the only backstage all the, on Taker. all the chumps back there but then you've also got uh i thought this was interesting you got stone cold and gold dust back there watching yeah. kind of cheering on and i mean yeah they should have jumped into it, man. We've seen both of those guys feud with Undertaker. Why are they just sitting around watching? Why don't they get in and help I, Mankind? I thought that was eh, that, kind of a kind of a mess up right there. Missed yeah, opportunity, I, I guess. I thought the same thing, man. Yeah, but yeah, all those J Browns back there, man. Job squad just cheering <laughs> them on and loving it. So it's good. But yeah, they're working their way to the hallway, hitting each other with catering carts and tables, and uh, then Mankind goes around the corner, he grabs this big old black suitcase, and Vincent Man immediately is like, that's scalding hot coffee! That's scalding hot coffee! He's got scalding hot coffee! And uh, of course, Undertaker comes around the corner, and Mankind surprises him and hits him with uh, this giant suitcase full of, or dispenser, (laughs) rather, full of scalding hot coffee. So, uh, yeah. Burned yeah, yeah. What, a, what a ruthless move. Yeah, seriously, man, he could have killed him right there. Uh, third degree killed burns, dude. I know. Uh, didn't no. Kane get get coffee spilled on him too? Wasn't that his feud with uh, Chris Jericho? He Jericho, yeah, yeah. He and Jericho feud two thousand over man. coffee. So, <laughs> something about those uh, brothers of destruction. Run to the family, man. dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, blood uh, runs cold. That okay. even hot coffee is not enough to finish the Undertaker, uh, but. Uh, Mankind is able to come out into the arena first, but Undertaker yep. catches right up with him and clotheslines him, hits him with a two-by-four, and, um, yeah, they, they fight their way towards uh, the ring. Yeah, uh, headbutts, again, from Undertaker right here. Just you know, like we mentioned in last episode, too, just headbutts and knees, man, coming from it's, – it's good. It's like the MMA style. It's awesome. Yes, very so. realistic. Um, and, and this was also realistic. Mankind – Tries to pick up one of those TVs uh, by the ring, and he can't quite pick it up, man. And if you've ever tried to pick up one of those old box TVs oh. and try to pick those oh, up man. when you're trying to move or something, golly, it's one of the hardest things in the world to pick up. And uh, yeah, Mankind's just been yeah. through a 20-minute match. He can't pick it up, man. Last time I tried to lift one of those, my the right side of my body went numb after I put it down. It was, I'm, I'm, that's a straight shoot, brother, right there. I couldn't oh, feel my, my right side of my body. Those things are so heavy. You and man guy. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, but Paul Bear, again, he is stay true. He's in the ring. He's, uh, the, the integrity of the urn has not been compromised at this point. So, um, uh, he is in the urn and, uh, excuse me, the Undertaker tries to get in the ring first and mankind stops him. And then he, he does a classic mankind move. He rips up the, uh, the, um, mats along the side of the, of the outside of the ring and he exposes the concrete floor and then he hits the wedgie pile driver yes. on the concrete, oh, and man. oh, yeah, that move hurts me to watch. I miss so, when people used to concrete. lift up the mats. That's just a classic old school wrestling thing. I don't know why nobody ever does that anymore. Razor Ramon used to always do it too. Man, I, yeah. just, I just love that. Uh, it was cool he to did see it in it. that 
one, two, three kid match. One, yeah. one, two, three kid face plants. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about face plant. Man, they get oh. up on the apron. Not quite a face plant, but uh, both guys are standing on the apron trying to get in the ring, and Taker shakes the ropes and bounces Mankind onto the floor, and there's just this awful splat. I don't know if it was his back or his head or whatever, but, God, I mean, that had to hurt, too. I mean, Mankind that is just taking a beating. Yeah. Again, as somebody who deals with back issues myself, watching him take that bump, oh, my goodness, I could not believe that he did that. Yeah. I mean, it. it's it, – it's loud. Yes. It's just his body just hitting the, the concrete floor. But, um, I mean, it looks great. But, again, and 10-year-old me was probably like, woohoo. But, like, 31-year-old oh, yeah. me is like, good Lord, man. Don't Take do care that. Of you don't have yeah. to do that. <laughs> exactly. You're already over, man. You're already over. You don't have to do that move. So, yeah, but it's it's horrendous. I just wrote horrendous. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Uh, man. So, yeah, to this point – you know, mankind is just flat back bumps from the apron straight to the, the concrete floor, and the Undertaker gets in the ring, and this is really iconic here. It's really again, this is the the Empire Strikes Back moment. You know, uh, he's down on one knee, and uh, he's got his his hand up in that classic Undertaker pose, and um, Paul Bear kind of looks at him, and then he <clears throat> just kind of turns around, and he doesn't give him the urn. You know, and turns it's his back on the Undertaker. Yeah, literally turns the back on I think at this point, the crowd realizes, you know, like, what? Like, like why? You know, it's been six years almost, you guys being together. Like, what happened? So, um, yeah, really cool. You know, like you said, he literally turns his back on him. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's heartbreaking, man. We've seen Undertaker and Paul Bear's relationship this whole time uh, over the past six years of watching these matches. And,. They've had just this incredible partnership, and all of a sudden, just like that, it's over. Paul Bearer turns yeah. his back on The Undertaker for seemingly no reason, and, and Mankind jumps in the ring, hits the mandible claw that you uh, was wondering why he hadn't hit earlier, uh, and, and locks it in, and Bearer starts laughing maniacally. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls out his handkerchief and starts polishing the urn up, uh, <laughs> which was just a, just a yeah. great heel move. Right there. Oh, we, yeah. we forget Paul Bearer started off as a heel. Man, him and Undertaker sure. were heels at first. Uh, you know, Paul yeah. Bearer was a great heel manager, and he's getting to bring that back out again. But, uh, yeah. And the crowd's booing heavily oh, at yes. this point. You know, they're, it's it's sinking in now, just what's happening. You know, and they're booing real heavily. But before he Mankind get the urn, he, he does the Undertaker kneel, but Undertaker sits up. Uh, but Mankind gets the claw on him again, and Bearer slaps the Undertaker, um, even though Undert- Undertaker's crawling to Paul Bearer again, and here's just the uh, you know, the heartbreaking moment of all. Uh, Paul Bearer lifts up the urn over his head, holds it up for a minute, and then just smashes it on top of the Undertaker's head before handing it over to Mankind, who snatches it away and wins the Boiler Room Brawl. And yeah. apparently has won over Paul Bearer as well. Just, uh, I mean, shocking, shocking moment. We don't, it's, it's hard to really put into words how shocking this was back in 1996 to see this partnership break up. Something you would just would never think was possibly in the works. I know they kind of teased it a little bit going back and watching the pay-per-views now uh, they, they do tease it a little yeah. bit the months before and like you said in the free-for-all 
uh, with hindsight, you can tell that they're building towards something, but this was just yeah, uh, <clears throat> unbelievable back then. Yeah, yeah, and man, yeah, to see, to watch Paul Bear slap Undertaker in the face, I think that was the, the biggest, like, you know, thing. The only thing worse he could have done was, like, literally spit on him, but he, he slaps yeah. him, and he's stomping him, and again, the crowd is just booing you know because again they don't understand and it's funny how this kind of parallels i mean it's not as as big as hulk hogan becoming hollywood hogan and the nwo but you know that just happened you know a month before this so it's kind of neat i'm sure i'm sure wwf was already headed this way with this story it seems if you go back in the timeline but again it's kind of neat to see well here on wcw they did that and wwf they've got this you know it won't have quite as big an impact on the whole wrestling world, but to Undertaker fans and to the Undertaker story that was is being told here, it definitely does. You know, it's a huge moment, and this this match this match is six minutes and forty seconds, but it didn't feel like that to me, man. Yeah, it goes you know, by it quick. Didn't feel that um, yeah, because you're into it, you're sucked into the action. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I had never, I don't think I ever put together that Paul Bear and Hulk Hogan kind of turned their backs, you know, within a month of each other, and those are just. Two yeah. guys that you just, I just thought of that. <laughs> would never think uh, that it was unthinkable for them to turn heel. Yeah. Uh, it would not. And in your head, you're thinking it just doesn't make sense for Paul Bear to be with anybody but The Undertaker. Uh, but right. as we're going to see, they're still telling uh, a great story here. And, and Paul Bear is going to have some really great moments and very important moments in the history of The Undertaker yet to come. And this is really, you know, I don't want to give the writers too much credit. Because I feel like I don't even think they fully knew where this story was going. But I do give right. them credit for taking the bold move and turning Paul Bearer and not and being not <clears throat> being fearless enough to do that because it did pave the way for a lot of great stories to be told and for the Undertaker character to go in a new direction, take him to another level. Uh, even though I don't think they fully even knew where they were going to go with it back then. Right. Um, I do give them credit for not playing it safe here and doing something yeah. different. And it sets up Mankind, again, huge as well. Uh, again, yeah. no one has ever gotten this many over on The Undertaker, has ever beaten him down this many times and gotten the victory this many times. They they, they like to say it. They, they've said it with a lot of different wrestlers. Oh, no one – Undertaker's never been beaten down this much, but – Right, this is the most without it, without it. Yeah, we can tell you because we've only been watching watched. Undertaker matches exactly. for the last five months. So, and those of you listeners have been listening to them with us and hopefully watching. But yeah, I mean, you're right. And th- just to kind of put a, a, a cherry on top of this, you know, evil turn. Uh, Paul Bear hugs mankind in the aisleway as they leave, and he looks at the camera and he says, "And I don't know if this was supposed to happen or not." He goes. I'm Paul Bear, and you're not. <laughs> I don't. What's the old Chevy Chase means. line, man? Yeah, exactly. He's just a big fan, I guess. But anyway, it's it was cool for him to say <laughs> that. Hilarious He's personality now. Yeah. Oh yeah, but, he is relishing yeah. it, man. He is loving it. Yeah. And, and he's... you've got to get map props. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say he's kind of been. Uh, I don't know. He, he we haven't seen the same level of intensity from Paul Bear over the past few mm-hmm. months. I feel like he hasn't quite been into yeah. his character as much. He's kind of been bored a little bit. Yeah. And now, like, we're back to the old Paul Bear. He's just relishing yeah. this heel turn, this fresh new character he's been given. JR is selling it huge. He's doing a great job. Well, we're at the 
is his most disturbing. As Paul Bear looks at disdain, the prone body of the Undertaker. Paul Bear is leaving behind over six years a legacy, a relationship, a bond that heretofore we thought was inseparable. Then, you know, I had totally forgotten that this happened, but as me too, <laughs> as Paul Bear and Mankind leave, uh, Vince McMahon is saying, "Now what? What has happened?" Uh, they're selling it like the Undertaker is just dead, and then the he gong hasn't moved. He hasn't moved. He's he hasn't moved in the, the ring. ring again. Uh, Kudos to him. He got hit in the head, a really stiff shot with the urn, and Paul Bear didn't pull any of that. Maybe he maybe he legit had six years of animosity built yeah. up. <laughs> he, just, he let it out um, for a shoot. But anyway, yeah, Undertaker's laid in the same spot for the last whatever it is, four minutes or something. So, yeah, then, yeah, the gong hits, the lights go out, and then there's that weird, like, Latin chanting stuff yeah. that we've come to, you know, associate with him. Is this the first time we've, we've heard that? No. On our... Uh, it's the it's we like the druid time. music that uh, yeah, has yeah been heard. That's right. I don't know. Maybe it is. I can't remember. I feel like it was yeah. in something else. Um, but yeah, they've used it you know throughout the years, and then the druids come out. The uh, the druids that IRS purchased at one point uh, enter the <laughs> arena. You know, they just happened to be there uh, for this match. I'm oh not sure yeah, that. they just appeared. Well, they're uh, just they all live in Cleveland, I guess. So. <laughs> Well, they come out and they uh, pick up the Undertaker's body and carry him out, sort of like Jesus being carried out. Yeah, he's in like a Christ-like pose. Yeah. Yeah, and the Undertaker and... is just motionless. This whole his his body is yeah. limp. He is just gone totally stiff, and they just carry drag his body out of the uh, ring and carry it all the way out of the arena in silence and in darkness. There's a hush over the crowd at this point, man. Yes. Like they don't know what to think when the, when the you know they're not booing or throwing stuff in the ring or chanting. I mean, there's a the microphone picks up a few little guys saying like "Go Sean" or "Vader sucks," but like other than that, the crowd as a whole is pretty hushed for this. You know, they're just soaking in. Like, are you serious? You know what just happened? So, which is cool. You don't get those those actual surprise moments very much. Yeah, definitely not anymore. But back then, I mean. They were still few and far between, so really cool. And and commentary, you know, I don't remember. I think it's Vince who says, you know, who would have thought such treachery could occur? And uh, Jr. says um, that that seemingly unbreakable bond has not only been broken, but destroyed. So, you know, hmm. that's pretty cool. You know, he's very hyperbolic there, but it's very very good Jr. stuff. So yeah, there's no it's going the end back. Of an era, man. Yeah, it is it's truly, end of an era. It truly is game changer. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I feel bad for Vader and Sean having to follow that too. I mean, that's especially yep. the mood that the crowd is in. You, I guess, you don't want to have that be the main event, just the way that the show ends. Right. You don't. It was back then. They didn't want to go out with a ending like that, with the the hero being carried out lifeless like that. But man, it sucks to be Vader and Sean because the crowd is, is that's that's a tough act to follow. Tough act to follow for them. Um, and. Like you said, the end of an era here on Talking Taker. Uh, we're going to pour one out for Paul Bear and the Undertaker's relationship. Truly a, a sad, a tragic moment. But as you compared it to so eloquently with the Empire Strikes Back, we're entering an, the next chapter of the Undertaker's story. And it's going to set him up, set his character up um, um, for uh, an even greater uh, journey. 
uh, an even bigger journey yeah. uh, as we're going to see, um, you know, at six months from now, he's going to be uh, fighting for the world championship again and be lifted up to, to a new level and carry the WWF championship all throughout 1997. And it's going to be sparked from this feud. I think uh, it's going to lift him up into that level. So uh, really cool, really important, really historic match. And I'm excited. We finally got to it. Oh yeah, me too. It's been one I've been looking forward to. I hope you listeners were looking forward to it again. This is an iconic match. Um, it's not a five-star classic, but it's fun. You know, it's fun. It's a five-star storytelling, I'd say. You know, the actual physicality might not be, but the story has been told for the last four and a half months uh, uh, in 1996 is, comes to comes to the helm here, and it's awesome. And we're not done here yet. <laughs> we got more Mankind. We got more Gold Dust. Oh, yes. No who. Thank God. Thank goodness. <laughs> And, uh, Although it, there is somebody else strange on the horizon ooh, for the Undertaker. That's true. <laughs> we'll um, cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> it really, you know, you said not a five-star match, but a very influential match, I would say, especially for the WWF. Sure. Certainly not the first yeah. first ever backstage brawl in wrestling history, no. but one of the first for the WWF. And it really, like I said earlier, kind of a prototype for the hardcore match style that we saw so many times through the attitude era and even now so uh, definitely influential match a must watch uh, for you uh, fans if you haven't seen it before if you haven't seen it in a long time i definitely recommend going out of your way to watching it uh and as travis said uh this feud must continue man i can't wait to talk about the night after Uh, i watched that earlier (laughs) we're gonna get to that on the next episode there's so much going on uh, the night after this episode, it it could have its own podcast as well, just on the, uh, the Raw after this. We're going to cover all that on the next episode, so come back next Friday for that. But until then, we want to hear what you thought of this episode, what you agreed with, disagreed with, what you thought of this particular match. So hit us up on Twitter, at Talking Taker. Really, we want you to go... If you're listening to this, you probably already follow us on Twitter, so please go like our Facebook page. We want to get our uh, yeah. likes up over there, and I promise you, you're not just getting the same content back and forth. Uh, me and Travis both, we try to put some different stuff on the Facebook page, so we're putting uh, pictures, we're putting YouTube videos, we'll put the free-for-all clip uh, that we've got of yeah. the uh, Paul Bears interview, we'll put that up uh, exclusively on the Facebook page uh, for you guys to look at yeah. if you haven't seen that. So you got to go like our Facebook page to get that. I actually interact on Facebook. I don't have a Twitter, but I am on Facebook and I do, yeah. Uh, Alex and I both, you know, kind of run the show on the, the Facebook. So yeah, you get different stuff from both of us too. You know, like I said, it's not just a carbon copy of Twitter. So different, different stuff. Uh, we appreciate you subscribing to our iTunes or our Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podomatic, YouTube, all that good stuff. Leave us a comment and a rating if you get a chance as well. Uh, and if you subscribe, yeah, you'll get the podcast uh, a couple hours earlier. you get it on Thursday night when I post it up. Uh, so before the Twitter followers get it, if you're a subscriber exclusively to the podcast, you will get it a little bit earlier on Thursday night. But, yeah, we'll be back here next week with – in your house mind games oh that's right and if any of you uh were there at the gund arena any of the classic moments that have been there but specifically this one we want to know what it was like watching this match on yes your substitute teacher's television on wheels please tell us what happened did you t- did they tell you to bring binoculars before <laughs> to the show um and also if you believe this match uh, ultimately led to the worst wrestling game of all time, which is WCW Backstage Assault. Mm. Please let us know. If Man. you don't know what that is, 
don't worry about it. He didn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But anyway, those of you, we appreciate all you listening, all your subs subscriptions and your downloads. And um, take her easy. <laughs>